Hey, it's Richie, and before we officially start the show, you guys know it's the middle of March, which means the tournament, it's finally here. The brackets are set, and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, they are celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool. $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. All you gotta do to enter this free contest is... Just pick one team per day, and if they win, you survive and advance to the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. That's DraftKings and DraftKings.com. You can get in on all of the week's action by downloading the app and entering the promo code THPN during sign-up. To enter that free $1 million survivor pool, again, that's promo code THPN to enter the DraftKings free $1 million survivor pool. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Your week is starting off fantastic. Um, we have two not so great games to kind of talk about here, and then we're probably going to talk about a little bit of Grammy stuff because that happened Sunday night. So you know, talk about some things that's beside the uh, sorrow that we have been going through the past couple of games. But to talk to me about it all, per the usual, my wonderful and amazing co-host Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Yes, um, I I really enjoyed the Grammys tonight. I thought it was really uh, a really solid show. Like it was different this year in the way they did the performances, and I'm excited that Taylor won Album of the Year for Folklore, which she very wholeheartedly deserved. And uh, so I I feel like that's how we should kick off the show is with the Grammys. Because the Grammys way more interesting than anything the Coyotes did this weekend, for goodness sake. Just so you, in case you missed it, they went 0-2 against the Wild. They got outscored, what, 8-1 to in the, over the course of two games. So just caliber, caliber stuff from the Coyotes on the road against the Wild for two straight games. But I, I know you didn't watch the whole show, and neither did I. I, I watched as much as I could. But uh, was there anything, any performance from the performances that you saw that stood out to you? Um, I, yeah, so I only saw a couple, like I, by the time that I recorded it, which was funny, it said that it's on Paramount Plus, I didn't realize it was on CBS, so now that I know that, I I can go back to Paramount Plus and watch the whole thing probably later tonight or tomorrow or something. Um, I don't know, we're, we're, we're recording kind of late, so maybe tomorrow, we'll see. But um, I I got to watch um, Miranda Lambert, and then I um, who uh, who performed in the middle there? Felt like there's someone in the middle between that, and then um, obviously Megan The Stallion and um, Cardi B, 
And then I, the last one I saw was Post Malone. Um, I don't know who all else really performed. So I don't know if there's anything that big that I missed. I'll have to catch up on the rest of it though. Yeah, you did miss Taylor's performance, which was, which was good. Um, you also, you missed, um, who else I think was really good. Oh, you missed uh, a really cool like collaboration between Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars because they have a new um, like album coming out with the two of them. Um, and they, their collaboration is called Silk Sonic. And they did the their song that they have put out already called Leave the Door Open. And it's a very soulful, like, 1970s R&B soul vibe to the song. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock, obviously very, very talented. I'm more familiar with Bruno than I am Anderson Pock, But um, I, I recommend watching that one. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then I also want to uh, shout out one artist in particular that I – I found that I never heard of before tonight and shame on me for not knowing about her. Um, let me scroll back through again here so I can get her, her name correctly because um, her name is Mickey Guyton. She is a country singer and I'm not normally a big country fan, but the thing oh, that makes her... Speaking of country, that's who the other person I was thinking of was Mary Morris. I liked Mary Morris. Sorry, continue. Yeah, and uh, and she was yeah she was she was terrific. Um, and I don't know how I I had no clue who she was before this, but go go seek her out. She's terrific. Her performance was great. And then like you saw the WAP performance, right? Like that was like too much for me. I that was I I was like. It was like sensory over, overload there. Like we've already made my my dislike of the the song known on this particular show, but watching that per live performance, I was like, "What is happening? What is going on?" Like I wish you could have seen my face during that performance because it was it was something else. Like I was watching it with Cat and Izzy for that matter. They were both watching it with me and. I think they got a kick out of watching me watch it because it was just like, I, I just didn't know how to react to that entire thing. My favorite part was honestly Trevor Noah, like climbing up into the giant like bed afterwards. And he's like, what kind of thread count is this? That's like the, the corny jokes he was making afterwards. What's honestly my favorite part. And then the fact that they were standing there and then Cardi B had awkwardly stand there for a while where he, while he was saying like that, um, he's had this dream before about being in bed with Cardi B and his grandma coming in, tell him that like, he needs to take his shoes off. And then he starts dancing behind like a, a backup dancer that has no choice other than just to sit there the entire time while he's just like dancing behind her. And it just, that was the funniest part of that entire thing. Cause it took so long for them to go to commercial. Yeah. People, that was so, that was very, very awkward. Although he did make me laugh. And so I can appreciate that. But, like, if you didn't see it, there was a massive, like, heel, like, massive, massive, like, stiletto heel almost. That's yes, not what stiletto. it is. I don't know what it was. Put that in there. They put the – they put a stripper pole on stripper heels. Very clever, really. Yeah. 
And then they also put like a wind machine inside of the heel too with money flying around in it. It was just Yeah, it's like those things in wacky. like Vegas and places where you they they put you in the money pit and like money's blowing all around. It's like catch as much as you can, that type of a thing. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I have a feeling like that is going to be the big thing that is going to get the most traction tomorrow is that entire performance. Uh, there were some great jokes about it uh, regarding Ben Shapiro, which were just top notch and hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, seek them out if you can. But I have a thing that's what people are going to be talking about. As you listen to this on Monday, the thing that's going to be turning the most is going to be that performance from Cardi B and from Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah, that was... Uh... I mean, they did a lot of production in there. There was like multiple outfit changes and everything in all of it. They had both of them started out in one outfit, went to the other, and then had to like, they they went hardcore. I really want to know, can I have a behind the scenes of how they built the giant bed? I want to know how they put it together. That was real. That was genius. And... And, and hilarious all at the same time. It was, it was, it was a little bit much, but it was, it was very yeah. extra. It was very extra, but I mean, like I can't, um, I can't hate on them for being that extra because that's basically who they are. And that's basically what that song is. So. Right. Right. The, the crazy thing to me is that they managed to do that song on national broadcast television. Oh, they I did I like the G-rated lyrics to the song, but it's just wild to me. They, they just kept on saying wet over and over again. It's so wet, wet, mm-hmm. wet, 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 wet. And then they just kept dragging it out and then like covering up every single... <laughs> I did like Trevor Noah saying that if there's any like kids in the room to just say it's about um, giving cats a bath. I thought that was clever. But um, yeah, I was actually kind of watching that going, how would you explain what you're watching to a child when I'm not even sure what I'm watching, let alone explaining to them what you're watching? (laughs) Right. The other, the other big news of the night was Beyonce who made history tonight because she is now the most decorated female artist in Grammy history, if I'm not mistaken. I believe she's now won 28 Grammy Awards over the course of her career, which is incredible. And she still has some wins in her, if I'm not mistaken. She won four times alone tonight. So congratulations to Beyonce. That was crazy. And then also Taylor Swift made some history too. She is the first ever female artist to win album of the year three times. Damn. That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And like the, the names that are the other names that are on that that list let me see if i can uh if i can find it here for a moment because do you happen to have some... which which three of her albums are the ones that have won yes i, I know off the top of my head actually damn that's impressive 
Yeah. Do you care to guess? Well, who are, so she's won two times previous to this for that particular award, album of the year. Two times previous. Okay, I'm I'm gonna uh-huh. pull up all of her her albums here just so I don't forget any. Um, I'm going to say it is the Grammys. Um. Probably mm, speak now. Not speak now. Mm. Red. Not red. Damn. <laughs> reputation. Not reputation. You're over three. Oh, the cor- the correct answers. The correct answers are Fearless and 1989 were her two previous wins. Hmm. Okay. So the, and the other, the other, um, the other, uh, artists that I was, I was mentioning a second ago, by the way, I, I now have those. They are, um, Frank Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, and Paul Simon. They're the only other artist to win best album three times. That's pretty good company that she's in there. Yep. Yep. Yes, indeed. And who knows? Maybe another one is coming next year when she gets nominated for forevermore, which I'm assuming is going to happen too. So uh, a year from now, she'll probably win again. Very likely. I'm still mad that watermelon sugar one over cardigan for one award tonight. I'm very pissed about that. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I think people are just starstruck and awestruck by the video for watermelon sugar, which in case you didn't know, sporty nation really weird. Corey made me watch it. Like literally forced me to watch it one night. He's at my house. And I was like telling cat how weird this music video is. Cause she was like, she's like, it means what I think it means. Right. And I go, Oh, I think if you are thinking what I think you're thinking, then yes, that is, that is what it means. And the music video will prove it to you. I must show you. So you just got unlucky because <laughs> Pat and I were previously talking about it on a hike. And then you were there when I wanted to show her. So yeah, the only thing that you could have done is maybe go to another room, but you, you had no way of avoiding that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I watched it one time. We'll never watch it again. Cause it's, again, we talked about Megan Thee Stallion and, and Cardi B being extra. That video is extra, extra. Um, I don't recommend watching it. It's really weird. All right. Our sporty question tonight, as we stick on the theme of the Grammys and music, again, Folklore won for best or for album of the year tonight at the Grammys. And so that brought me to our sporty question tonight, which I decided to ask your favorite song on Folklore is. Now, you have not looked at any of the responses to this yet. We've gotten several. I will I will let you go first and then I'll give my answer and then I'll read the answers that we received. Yeah, I haven't looked yet because I wanted to curate an honest answer. So, um 
I mean, this is this is probably a discussion for another time, but um, I am not a big folk person. So this is not one of my favorite albums of hers. It was actually to I I like this one better than Evermore. Like I'll actually listen to this one, but both this one and Evermore have very like depressing tones to me. And I think a lot of it was because it was written in quarantine and during everything. And it, um, and I think with the, just the moment that I'm in, it's not particularly like what I needed in my life. So I think that's part of the reason why I didn't love this one as much as I've loved some of her other ones. Probably if I was to choose like a favorite album, um, like music wise and just like enjoyment wise would probably actually be lover. But um, in this one, so I had to listen to it again and think of, cause I did listen to it through it quite a few times and um, figure out which ones I really liked. And so I have the one that I have, I have wrote down a couple things. So first I said the one that had the most, that was most interesting to me and I thought was um, really great peak Taylor Swift was um, The Last Great American Dynasty because it is about um, this this lady who used to live in the house that she lives in and it's kind of a story about like all the things people are saying about her and like, you know, her husband died of a heart attack and it tells it all in, in the story. Um of the, of the song, which is very, um, old school country music is that way. Like it's very, like you tell, it's telling a story. So I really enjoyed that one. I liked her mad woman one because of obvious reasons with, um, with that and kind of, um, the song as well. So I kind of wanted to give little shout outs to those, but, um, probably the coolest part of this album in general is the, um, the trio between uh, Cardigan, August, and Betty, because of the fact that it is literally three parts of the story in three different songs from three different point of view. So you're looking at something and you are putting it in three different perspectives. And he, and she also got to tie in uh, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' kids. And I love Blake <laughs> That's Lively right. and Ryan Reynolds. So, um, but... So those those would probably be like my my coolest thing altogether. But if I had to choose one of them out of the three of them, and I was like sitting here listening to them before, so I, I feel pretty secure in my answer this time. At the very end, my choice would probably be Betty. Okay, that's a uh, that's a popular choice. I will tell you that much among people. It, um, um, it it's very classic Taylor Swift in the way that it's done in the way that some of the, like the chords that she used in it and the way that it tells a story and it tells, it's very, she's always said over her career that she really enjoys telling stories of like love and is very interested in like all the different emotions of it. And that one is very much, you could tell she was like passionate about writing that one because she had fun with it. And it, um, it brings me back to a lot of parallels of her ballads in the very beginning of her career. So that's kind of why I really like that one. I, I, I enjoy all of the choices you just mentioned. Um, I kind of go in spurts. Like I will listen to certain songs on, on this album in spurts and I'll keep listening to them. And the, that trilogy you just mentioned 
is great. And it's really tough to pick a favorite on this album, but the two that I listen to the most, and that's kind of how I kind of decide to come up with my answer for this are exile featuring Bonnie Vare, which is terrific. Uh, it's so good. The long pond studio session version is even better than the original version, in my opinion. Um, so that's maybe my favorite song on the album. And then my second favorite uh, is Mad Woman. Uh, I feel like that's the kind of one, like you mentioned it, but it slides under the radar there. It's like on that second or third tier. Like it's not one of those songs that's going to pop out as being a single, but like it's, it's a fierce song and I, and I, and I love it. Mm -hmm. And Taylor cusses in it too, which she doesn't usually do all that often. And uh, so those are my two favorites. Now, let me go to the twitter.com and tell you what the twitter.com chose. So, um, we, uh, uh, Jordan weighed in, of course, she said, uh, this is like picking a favorite child, but probably exile honorable mention to the one, if I'm having a good day and my tears ricochet for a sad day. Uh, we had Jordy from the Kings podcast, a big Taylor Swift fan has already asked us to join his show for a Taylor Swift centric episode. Um, he agrees with you. He said, Betty, uh, he says that's number one, but they're, they're almost all interchangeable when it comes to number one. Uh, we had, uh, Megan Fitz say Betty or the last great American dynasty. That sounds familiar. Doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and then the other, reply we got is from isha who decided to just come up with his own prompt he said i read this first as favorite folk album so i am just going with it and he listed uh, some bonnie Vera albums uh monsters and men among other things and a couple others um so thanks isha for just making up your own own prompt that wasn't the question but okay cool so but there you go really those are the answers that- uh, that he mentioned his first two albums, like uh, so it does it does come back in some regard since which is it Bon Iver or is it how is it pronounced? I I yeah it's uh it's I believe it's Bon Iver. Now I could be wrong about that. I thought it was Bon Iver for the longest time. I have been corrected by Cat. She's I believe she says it's Bon Bon Iver. Is how you say it or Bonnie Vare, one of the two. Well, I just think it's very interesting because it it came back full circle since he's on the album mm-hmm. and he did mention his first two albums. It did reference it did reference back some in some way, shape, or form. Exactly. So if I'm gonna guess that was Isha's pick, it's gonna be Exile. <laughs> so so there you go. The question is still up at Corey underscore Richie Show. If you want to. Put in your pick for your favorite song off of Folklore. Um, by the way, if you haven't already, there's another podcast that Corey and I have listened to from the ringer.com. And they're gonna go through they're gonna go through every single Taylor Swift album ever and like deep dive into every single album leading up to the re-release of Fearless. And through two episodes so far, it's really interesting. And uh and I, I was the one that tipped you off to listen to this, Corey. You were the bigger Taylor Swift fan than me, so 
you know a lot of the ins and outs and the kind of uh, Easter eggs that Taylor has in her songs and everything and and more of her history. So this is it's more of a lesson for me than anything else to listen to that particular podcast because I'm learning more than maybe you do with it. But I I, I will recommend it. Go find it um, at the Ringer. Well, it's it's nice because they have someone who's who's actually like in the industry and understands the musicality of it and so it that's kind of cool and it's nice to hear some of that because there's certain things that like I know but then there's certain things that um you know I I haven't um I haven't done a lot of that stuff in a while. I, I played a lot of instruments including singing and playing piano um so I I haven't done a lot of that in quite a few years so it's nice to to be able to like hear someone and their expertise on it and listening to the albums and what they have to say about them and whatnot. But yeah, there is, it's funny. There is little tidbits of like little factoids that they don't know. Um, I did feel personally accosted by them though. When, (laughs) (laughs) when they said that they didn't like, I'm only me when I'm with you. And so I, will have to eventually forgive them for that but um yeah the, taylor swift was was big part of her first album taylor swift came out when i was in middle school and then like i went to go see her fearless tour like the last day of my freshman year of high school like it was kind of a a growing thing with me like kind of as she grew I did type of a thing so um there's a there's a lot of random little tidbits that I know from along the way so it's it's actually probably best for you Richie because between me and Jordan you you know you get extra you get all the rounded little tidbits like the stuff that they forget to put in the podcast we tell you so you know exactly a little bit of everything exactly I I have both of you between the both of you you guys have been informing me more about other things I didn't know. Like, for example, I did not know that um, on on Picture to Burn, she changed the lyrics to that song after the original release of the song. Did you, did oh, you know that? Oh, I didn't that? know that. No, I did not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, originally... Uh, the lyric it's a little controversial although i don't think it really was the original lyrics to to the song were uh let me, i'm i'm going to bring it up here for a second uh like it was even even it was even harsher than the original so or than the one we know uh here's what she originally said she said that's fine. I'll tell mine you're gay. That was the original line in the song. And then she changed it um, later on. Oh, yeah. I knew the the line of that. Yeah, because uh, he like she ta- says that like he's saying that she's crazy. And then she's like, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'll tell my friends you're gay. Which yeah, I mean, so I learned that from- really insult it's it's more of her just saying that like 
that's okay. We broke up because he's he's not interested in women. I I I guess I could see how it would be taken though as uh as an insult type of thing. What did she change it to? Um, I she changed it to. Let me. I have to bring I've up never, the. I've never heard it any yeah. other way. But yeah, I so bought if the actual album when it came out. Yeah, if you if you uh Google it, picture to burn original lyrics. She performs the original lyrics of the song like live a couple times, so you can see it. So she changed it to, um, so go and tell your friends that I'm obsessive and crazy. That's fine. You won't mind if I say, by the way. Mm, I do. I did know that. That's funny. That's funny. I, I do know that. I was aware of, of that change, but I just, I guess I never really like thought that much into it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. You learn something new every day, Sporting Nation, if you listen to this show. And, uh, and now that we've spent 28 minutes talking about Taylor Swift and the Grammys, I feel like it's time we should probably talk a little Kyrie's on this show. And the reason why we've avoided so much is I feel like we're a broken record at this point, trying to talk about this team. Because it's the same storyline seemingly every game now, every season. Headed into the season, we knew this team was going to struggle to score goals. And it's happening again. And it's like, well, what else do we have to say about this team at this point? Because it's like a broken record. Yeah, and it's honestly really disappointing that we have to go through this so consistently that it's the same problems all the time and it's just not getting fixed. It's it's honestly pretty sad. Like, the Coyotes only managed one goal in his past two, two games and um, both of the third periods were absolutely atrocious. Once the dams broke like it was just downhill from there they were at least able to hang in 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 the second game um you know pretty tightly in the first two periods as opposed to in the first game where they just kind of crumbled so it just I don't know it's really hard because they've slipped to 27th in the NHL in goals per game at 2.43 which is even worse than last season's um, team, which was a 2.71. And it's not like they were doing very well offensively either. So you have a team that's struggling pretty badly offensively, and then you have them play against a team like Minnesota that is just will absolutely bully them on the ice. If you ever were curious about Clayton Keller's size being an issue on the ice, it was clearly shown in Sunday's game, considering the fact that he was getting tossed around during that game. So you have um, size really actually playing a factor in the game. They can't, um, you know, they, they weren't able to convert on power plays much either. It just, it's honestly really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying the same thing all season long when watching this team and like, and you talking about the physicality, go back to that game on Friday when Connor Garland gets cross-checked pretty blatantly. Everybody saw it. 
and the referees did not call it. And 30 seconds later, the Minnesota Wild score and take a 2-0 lead in that game. Granted, Connor Garland after the game, Coach Tockett, most people understand that that wasn't the reason why the Coyotes lost. They lost because they couldn't fucking score a goal. Like, Phil Kessel had two breakaways, clean breakaways early in that game. Put both shots on goal, but could not score. You know, and it's that's the frustrating thing about it. It's just like, I don't know what Rick Tockett can do. It's like, we just didn't score, you know? Like, that's all he said after the game on Friday was, well, we just didn't score. And Connor Garland, when asked about it, he's he seemingly was like, well, that's how I play. Like, I'm going to get hit like that, and I can't do anything about it. Like, I just keep playing. If I get the calls, if I don't, I just keep playing. So, And he's drawn now on the season 19-plus penalties, which is top five in the entire NHL. So he's still getting calls, right? But he should be getting more, seemingly, which is, is just wild to me. And uh, I just wonder how long is this slump going to last? Because they were slumping for most of the season, but they're just in a super dry stretch right now where they're not getting scoring from anybody. You know, they're not getting scoring from Nick Schmaltz. They're not getting it from Christian Dvorak. Connor Garland's on a little bit of a dry spell. And we've previously mentioned on the show a lot of times that their bottom six has been non-existent this year when it comes to scoring at all, right? Johan Larson had a couple good games there, but... Other than that, Derek Broussard hasn't really done much at all. Christian Fisher, Lawson Krause hasn't done much at all, right? Tyler Pitlick's been he he's a good four checker, but he still doesn't he's still not putting up the points you want to see on the bottom six, you know. Uh, Drake Kajula has hasn't been great at all this year, so it's just like a cavalcade of just inefficiency and. Um, and they're running out of time. Like, it's one of those things that they got to fix it now. Because uh, if they don't, they're going to find themselves seven, eight, seven or eight points out of the playoff spot. Because we talked about prior to this year, right? They got to beat the Wild if they want to make the playoffs. And right now, the Wild are absolutely dominating the Coyotes in the, what, the four games they played this year. I think the Coyotes are only, they've won one game out of four. Yeah, and in those in those four games, they've averaged less than nineteen shots on goal per game. They haven't even been really taking the chances, and that's the frustrating part. Is when they play teams that are a lot bigger and a lot more skilled, they end up having to get these more greasy goals. But when you're not even you know putting pucks on net, you're not going to be able to get those greasy goals because you're not creating enough traffic and you're not you're not giving yourself the opportunity. And you have to wonder what that's doing to the players mentally. They're they're all probably at this point gripping their sticks so tightly that it's going to snap in their hands. Like there's players who really haven't been scoring and it's not been just like these four games. It's been, you know, 10, 15 games deep that they haven't been scoring. And they know that it's a big problem and they're putting, I'm sure, a fair amount of pressure on themselves but their confidence has to be at an all-time low. There's no way you can be getting bullied like this and really not scoring. And then you look at the fact that they are taking a lot less, lot lot less shots at the net, a lot less chances. And then you start to wonder: Is that now becoming a mental issue? Oh, I I think it absolutely is. 
I think we we saw that last year too, where when you players like you know your Clayton Kellers and your Christian Vorax and and others, when they get in a rut, they just stick in that rut and they find and it's just hard to get out of. And I don't know what they need to do to get out of it. To I don't do they just need just a a big big win that's like a win where they dominate from start to finish against a good team in order to kind of get them out of that. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's like, as somebody who watches this team on a consistent basis and who, you know, at this time at point, it's like, we're just out of answers. I just don't know what this team can do. Like they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think it's just, I, you know, it's, I wonder now what they're going to do with the trade deadline. There's not going to be a lot of buyers this year, but you have to imagine Bill Armstrong is going to be on the phone with something, trying to figure out, trying to get some assets back for some of these players that are on expiring contracts. Cause at this point it's just, we're exactly at the midway point of the season and the Coyotes goal differential right now, if I'm not mistaken, let's bring it up here. It's bad. It's not good. Last year they had a positive goal differential this year their goal differential is minus 15. Well, and also like not to bring it back to someone that that cat gets mad that me and you hate on quite a lot lately, but um, Oliver Ekman Larson still ha- doesn't have any goals and his decor that he is supposed to be leading, he, you know, not he's not just a captain, he's also the the leading D has really not been playing well either. So you have to also look back at that too and think how negative that is looking on things considering the fact of how he's the captain, how much money he's taking away from the cap space and the fact that he isn't producing himself either when he is supposed to be a very offensive defenseman. Yeah. I mean, we've been over this so many times at this point, again, it's, I feel like we're, again, we're a broken record. You know what I'm surprised about OEL, though? Is he still has, what, 11 assists this year in something like 15 games? Which is pretty good. That's not bad. Like, I'll give him credit where credit's due. At least offensively, he's producing in the time he's on the ice. 11 assists in 18 games. Yeah, I mean, that's not great, but it's not terrible. Like, it's better than some other previous seasons in terms of production, I feel like. So... But yeah, but I mean, none of them are gold. And then he's also giving up really costly defensive mistakes. So when you he he's, I feel like hurting the team more than helping the team half the time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I've been saying that for years, you know. So it's just they're kind of stuck with them for now, you know. Unless unless the Boston Bruins want to make a move there, which they might. Uh, I've heard, I've, I've heard some, I've seen some, uh, some rumors on Twitter about that, about them maybe kicking the tires back on him again, but as they try to bolster their defense for their cup run again this year, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many holes on this team. That's what we're learning. That's my biggest takeaway from this team. I feel like we've known about it, but really this team is so full of holes up and down the roster that Bill Armstrong, I think we mentioned this maybe last week. Or, or a couple of weeks ago when we were taught when Scotty was on the show, it was like, 
Bill Armstrong has a massive, massive task ahead of him here with this team because it's going to look – this team is going to look so much different next year. You know, and it's going to be – I feel like we're heading right back towards a rebuild again where it's going to be another two or three years before this team gets back to contention. And that's super-duper unfortunate coming off of a playoff appearance last season. Well, and the other thing, too, is I feel like you have a lot of players that are playing playing outside of their depth. You have a lot of players that are, are fourth-line players playing in the third line, and you're having players like, and I've said this multiple times before, Clayton Keller, who really shouldn't be the person you're counting on to score goals. He should be more of a playmaker, forcing him to try and, and score goals when he is, I'm sorry, but undersized and under under talent-wise. You don't have anyone... Um, that really is um, really just kind of comes onto the ice, shows off, and is able to make you know game changing plays like uh, Kaprizov did in that first game. He just came in. The reason why he had a hat trick that game was because he was just on. He was on that whole time, and it's there's no one on that team that's able to do that. They don't have a line that can compete against that first line of Minnesota. That Rask, Zuccarello, and uh, Kaprizov line are just by far better. And that's the the frustration, I think, is a lot of these players get down on themselves and have a lot of um, confidence issues because of the fact that they are playing out out of out of their own league like they they can't play up at the level that they're requiring them to play them at right now and we all thought maybe you know if they each gave like a little extra bit of themselves but I just I think at this point there is not an extra bit for them to give whether they are in you know they aren't in the best situation that's best for their playing style or they don't have a good enough people surrounding them no matter what, though these players right now are honestly playing um, so far out of their own depth that it's, I think, frustra- as frustrating to them to play as it is for us to watch. Oh yeah, and you can, you can, I think you can see it on the ice too. Like it's just, it's not a, a secret when it comes to that at all. So, looking ahead when it comes to this team coming up here. Got one more game against the Minnesota Wild coming up on Tuesday. And then it's the Anaheim Ducks for two. Then the Avalanche for two. And then the San Jose Sharks. So the schedule doesn't really get any lighter. We know the Coyotes struggles with the Ducks this year. Um, maybe those are their two get-right games. You know, we I just kind of hinted that a minute ago. But that they just needed some get-right games. And a couple of games where they just crush opponents. And a couple of guys have games that are sorely needed. And, and I'm speaking of like your Christian Fishers of the world and, and, and uh, Christian and Christian Dvorak too, where they just get goals and they just break their, break their slump and get some confidence rolling. Cause Anaheim's the perfect team to do that. Granted they had to come back twice against Anaheim the last time they played them, but the ducks are God damn awful this year. They're minus 32 goal differential. They lost three straight games. They are two, five, and three in the last 10 games. And they only have 
uh, 22 points in 29 games on the season. So optimist. let's be optimistic because I feel like we've been negative for the last 10 minutes. Those are your get-right games. Which just is why we didn't go start with and, this. Yeah, yeah, just go in there and beat the Ducks five to fucking nothing. Just roll them. Get some confidence rolling, for goodness sake, because god dang it, do they need it. Do we need it, too, for goodness sake. We've been way too negative on this show. I don't like being negative, but that's what happens when your team is so frustrating to watch. They're extremely frustrating to watch, and that's that's why it's it's so hard. Even when we're talking about this, I always stutter over my words a little bit because it's just... You see these glimpses of good things or their ability to, you know, kind of stay in these games sometimes. And then when it goes to shit, it just goes to shit. And you Mm -hmm. can't help but just be irritated by watching it. And that's not what you ever want. And that's not what you want for Coyotes fans, you know. Coyotes fans are very loyal and have been through a lot of shit. Like, And it just feels like it's the same cycle all over again. Right, right. All right. Well, I think that's enough negative negativity for the show, everybody. Um, do you have anything else uh, on anything before we we say goodbye? I I think I think I'm covered in this one. I I'm and now I'm now kind of I feel like in a mood after that conversation. So I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, Sporty Nation, when Corey put out the po- uh, the question about what movie we should watch for movie night, didn't even watch a movie because we had no clue what to watch, which was just, I feel like for you, me, and Kat, that's very on brand for us. Just n- not being able to choose a movie because we, we can't figure out like what mood we're in, what type of comedy to watch. And we ended up watching Blue Mountain State. Which is a very good show. I I enjoyed Blue Mountain State when it first came out. Uh, Kat and I both watched it um, when it first came out. Um, We are now introducing Richie to it now. Um, But yeah, I think part of our problem too was we went searching for comedies. And I would like to argue that a lot of things that like different places you know hulu amazon prime netflix all the things that they consider to be comedies aren't always comedies right that was one of the issues we also ran into was it was just so there was some some weird shit i'll just say that (laughs) weird shit indeed i feel like that weird shit is like a good hashtag for the Coyote season this year too. There's been a lot of weird shit going on this year. Um, but with that said, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie show. Follow us on Instagram at Corey Richie show. Follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow me at our Flores 91. Follow the network at hockey pod net. And of course, like I mentioned off the top, DraftKings has their college basketball survivor pool going on this week as the tournament kicks off. Exciting stuff for them. Promo code THPN. For Corey, I have been Richie. 
Good night and good hockey, everybody.